Welcome to the Overwhelm is Optional podcast, where we cut through the fog of overwhelm so you can see all the ways to start creating a life that works for you. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Overwhelm is Optional podcast. I'm still wondering whether my um, episode last week was possibly my worst ever, having recorded it with a cold in celebration of having time to, to actually have a cold. Um, it was supposed to be inspiring and helpful. I actually can't really remember much about recording it because, as you can hear in my voice, not this week, I feel really well this week, but as you can hear in my voice last week, I was really struggling. Um, so th- I just wanted to share with you... Um, yeah, the whole self-doubt thing. So I've been wondering, oh, should I take it down? Is it terrible? Is it embarrassing? Should I not put out um, a podcast episode that that I am not sure is good enough? And instead, I'm putting my energy and time and attention, calling it back to myself and saying, I have no idea because I haven't heard anything. That's either because people... Um, thought it was terrible and don't want to tell me or just haven't got time to tell me whether they found it helpful so it was supposed to be helpful if it was a bit miserable I don't think it was miserable I it really I really was grateful that I have got to a stage in my life where I'm able to accept that I'm going to occasionally not feel well and I'm going to take the time for myself and slow down and I'm really genuinely grateful for that it's taken me a long long time to get to that point where I can do that So that was the point of last week's episode. I'd love to hear if it helped you at all. Or if you genuinely think it's my worst episode, I'd also like to know that. Thank you so much. But thank you mainly for being here, for listening, for showing up for yourself. This this podcast is all about you and how you can have some shifts in perspective to help you to get your life back from struggling, feeling really overwhelmed, not really being able to see an easier way forward um and all sorts of other things anyway this week is all about pressure and the pressure we often feel to postpone what we really want to do the life that we really want to lead in order to temporarily get through a busy time or a pressure time and then that temporary time that temporary um postponement starts to become permanent or starts to become the more dominant mode so this is for you if you feel that kind of pressure to keep postponing what you really, really want to do. So often what happens is we start comparing ourselves to other people thinking, so in order for me to just keep up, it's usually to do with work, then I need to just accept that it's really hard for me to do all of these other things I really want to do because I just don't seem to be able to find a way to do that. And that's just me. So often we kind of do this comparison and thinking what's wrong with me there's something wrong with me other people manage to you know do really well at work and they seem to have fun they seem to have a life outside of work they seem to have the whole life together what's wrong with me so if that's how you're feeling or have ever felt then this episode really really is for you because that pressure you feel there's something you can do about that and that's what we're discussing this week so welcome I hope that you're feeling well I hope that you're listening to this either excuse me having a really really easy journey somewhere or you're having a lovely walk or you're just settling down with your drink and you're just going to chill out for a little while so welcome it's lovely to be here talking to you thank you so much for being here 
So for years, I postponed things in order to adjust to a new career. And I, I took up um, teaching mathematics late in life. I just did it for nine years. I did it for most of my 40s. So um, I think I was kind of in my 41st year or something when I yeah, signed up for teacher training. And I remember really clearly, I think I might have told this story before, I remember really clearly that first day at Bath University in this big lecture hall and we're all wandering in and nobody knew anybody. And then the course leader, who I loved, I really liked this guy, I thought he was quite inspirational. Anyway, he said to us, one of the first things he said after welcome was, I've been watching you all, walking really slowly, looking around, seeing where you want to sit. By the end of this year, you're going to be walking 10 times the speed. You're going to be walking at teacher speed. And at the, at the time, we kind of all laughed thinking, that that sounded like a good thing. And now I look back and think, yeah, that heralded <laughs> that, that heralded a danger, danger to come. Because being able to walk really fast and get things done really fast, so being hyper productive can be really, really helpful. There's there's times when we need to be that. But the problem is if we're always walking really, really fast and we we tend to get stuck in that mode of um firefighting, that reactive mode of get this done this done da, 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 da. and it looks really impressive you know I find it I'm really good at getting into that emergency mode I don't think it's a good place to be I think it's a really good place to be when there's a genuine emergency I think it's an unhelpful place personally for me to be in in a normal course of my life because what tends to happen is well first of all I'm reacting no sorry I'm what's the word What's the opposite to reacting? Yeah, I'm, yeah, sorry, I am. I'm reacting rather than responding. And by that, I mean that fast reaction, you know, that, that we think is brilliant because we talk a lot about this. There's a lot of um, competitiveness around work performance, isn't there? And people who are able to react really fast. And to be fair, in leadership, you do need to make be able to make decisions quickly. But you also need to be able to slow down and respond. And the ability to buy yourself time, I think, is really, really important. Now, there's a time and a place for it. And, you know, it's working out what's right for you. But for me personally, I have found that I got very addicted to that really fast, high performance. And I got a lot of stuff done. But I don't actually think it was high performance. I think it looks like high performance, but I don't think it is high performance. Um, for me, this is for me personally. So see if this resonates for you. Being able to get stuff done really, really quickly can be really helpful in an emergency, but it's very addictive and it's very, very easy to get stuck in it. And it's also very shallow because you don't have time to think, which is why you're able to work so fast. But because you don't have time to think, that means that the long term consequences aren't always available to you. It really is a kind of head down, everything's overwhelming. If I bash through this, duh, 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 get it done, then I'll be able to get to the end of something. And when it becomes that temporary, I'm pushing through to the end, but it keeps going, that's when I think we get into trouble. And I think it's very easy. I know it's very easy for me, or it used to be very easy for me to get into that mode, that problem solving, react, 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 get done, 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 go home. Go home and you try and unwind after that. It's really hard because there's a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of adrenaline involved, isn't there? 
Rather than that, I'm just going to pause and take stock. Now, obviously, we'd be pretty useless if we weren't able to ever do that. Although I'm going to rephrase that because I don't actually think everybody does need to be, be able to do that. And I think one of the problems um, with the current narrative around work performance is that we should all be able to kind of do everything. We should all be able to be like that. And you don't need everyone to be like that. You actually need people who slow everything down and say, let's just pause and think. Let's be quiet. Let's stop talking. Let's stop having meetings. Let's stop emailing responses really quickly. I mean, if you think about email, email's hilarious, isn't it? Because, you know, people, I have re I have quite a few emails where it says, I'm sorry I took so long to get back to you. It was literally 24 hours. And I'm like, that's that's fine. Can we do this slowly, please? I mean, there's times when you do need a response, but oh, I don't know, 24 hours isn't very long, particularly if you were only checking your email two times in the day. So you could be really productive and actually do deep work. I don't know. I don't think it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, I don't really think email's probably it, is it? You could phone and I don't know, messenger. Oh, that's supposed to be instantaneous as well, isn't it? That This is part of the problem, I think is that because we have the technology to create more convenience and arguably greater work performance, what's actually happened is we hijack our own brains into having to work at that level. And what that actually results in, I would argue, is a state of overwhelm where we're not really able to think clearly. We are literally in emergency state because we're so easily triggered into emergency state because from an evolutionary point of view we need to be able to but know this when you're very reactionary and you're if you're feeling overwhelmed and it's like I've just got to get this done get this done your prefrontal cortex is not working properly because it's not supposed to because if you were being attacked by a bear that's not the time to be making making slow reactions you want that fast reaction so you don't want to be thinking but we need to take this into account when we talk about performance and when we start judging our own as being lacking. So for me, being trained um, as a teacher and being told to just hurry up with everything and that, you know, I mean, there was some really bad, I would argue, toxic training practices and work practices when I when I went into the profession you know, it was trained out of you that you would sleep properly in term time, that you would be really been a, be able to go out on a school night. I mean, it's a bit of a joke. Oh, you're going out on a school night. You know, it, it you know, you, you, you can do everything in the school holidays, even weekends, you know, everybody works on a Sunday. It's, it's, there's a lot of unhealthy comments, which, which if you go against that, you, you literally feel like, or at least I did, you feel like you're pushing against the grain. So if you are, if you are developing healthier working practices, it's best to kind of hide them because otherwise you either lose respect or people give you more work to do because you're not looking pressured enough. So there is a lot of demonstration of martyrdom and overworking because that's what the, at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but that's what was expected. And I'm sure that goes on a lot because if we look around us, what do we see? We see a lot of people really struggling and we call it work-life balance, but I don't really like that. Nobody really likes that anymore. We've moved on to something else. What is it? Blended work or something? I don't really care. For me, it's 
for me, it's all about you. How are you feeling? And if you're feeling like you're under this immense pressure to postpone the things you really love to do and long to do, even if they're tiny, tiny, tiny things, and that that's not happening, and it's just it just keeps it's becoming more and more permanent state, then that's it's really, really important to notice that to notice that you are under that pressure and what you're doing about that pressure, how you're viewing that that pressure. So first of all, you want to notice if that applies to you if, if at any point in your life, but particularly at the moment, if you're constantly postponing even very small things in order to get through and cope with the pressure of work and, you know, all of the running of your life and other people's expectations of you, you know, if you if you can't, I notice I do hear a lot of people. If you said something like, "Take some time for yourself," a lot of people would just laugh as if, "What are you crazy?" Now, that to me is actually a very dangerous point to be because if you can't take time for yourself, something to me is wrong. Because taking time for ourselves is such a fundamental part of living well. That if it's just a kind of like night if it's a nice to have and it's a bit of a joke something's wrong at least that's what I would argue I mean it might I don't know if it's not if that's not for you then I don't know you're a very different person than than myself and those I work with I would argue that take being able to take time for ourselves and pause and recover and take stock and think about who we are and what 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 we're up to where we are in life if we don't have time for that regularly as, as a very basic fundamental habit we're going to get into trouble because we're going to get swept up in the constant pressure and the cycles to postpone things that matter to us and that's what people talk about um, if you read books or or blogs you know where they, people have reported on what people say at the end of their life and it is this this we have a fear of missing out, but we actually, in order to kind of not miss out on anything, we actually do miss out on the real stuff. And part of the real stuff, I would argue, is taking time to be present with ourselves. And also whatever else it is. So what are you postponing? Sometimes it's, um, for me, I notice things like I start beating myself up if a plant is looking a little bit worse for where I'm like, I haven't even got time to repot a plant or water my plants. What's wrong with me? Or phoning people, meeting up with people. Um, I don't know, like tight, they, they feel like tiny things, but they, they're the things that, that get shoved to the bottom because I just need to get this done. And actually, when I do water that plant, have a little chat with that plant, it doesn't take very long and I feel better. I feel more connected to my life, to myself. And it's it's these tiny things that because there's no space in my head when I get into that problem solving, just get through mode. They're the things that disappear really quickly. But they're the very things that make up the small moments of happiness in my life. So I don't know what it is for you. Could be, you know, going for a walk eating a particularly nice meal, even tiny things which feel tiny, but I would argue are huge, like tasting your food, noticing how lovely it is when your shower works. So these are things that we only stop noticing um, 
when something goes wrong. So if the shower breaks, you're like, this is a disaster and you really miss the shower. And then as soon as the shower works again, the shower feels amazing. And when we don't notice those things, so this these are things that aren't on a list. You don't you're not going to put on the list. Notice the shower. I mean, you can. I would if if you want to practice it because it's really worth noticing the shower. So the, these are like we miss our life because we're too busy holding our life together. So we miss the very things that are happening. So this is not even this is like deeper than postponing actual things. Because that's bad enough, isn't it? But it starts, if you want to reclaim, start with the things that you already have that you're not noticing. Taste your food. Notice the, the loveliness of the shower. You know, notice the air temperature, the sky. Those you love, you know, cuddle your dog, what, whatever it is. And then there's the layer above that, isn't there, of, of things that we really, really want to do, which we aren't getting around to do, that bring us joy or just getting stuff done, like annoying life admin that needs to be done, but which is actually really nice when it's all organised because everything feels calmer. Or maybe it's bigger things. So what are you postponing? So just take a moment and just think about that. What am I not doing that I keep meaning to do that actually really does matter to me, but I just temporarily need to get through this period? And then it's worth thinking, how long is this temporary period going on, been going on for, and or how many of these temporary periods of busyness are linked? So they become consecutive. So you might get a little break in between, but actually this is becoming my default pattern. And then notice why that's happening. So when I was teaching and I tried so many different ways and then it would feel like um, particularly at the beginning of a term, it would feel like, oh, it's all right. I've got it sussed this time. I'm definitely going to, you know, go singing, go and do yoga, go and visit friends, have fun, you know, go out on a school night, keep fit, do all the things I really want. I'm not going to drop anything this term. And it would last a certain amount of time and then it would just go wrong because the the I thought. So therefore, I thought that it, so at the beginning of the term, I think it's not me. I'm fine. I've got this sussed. And then as I would find it more and more impossible, I would blame the system. So the system is toxic. And maybe you have this. So just notice where your blame is going. So I used to swing between there's something wrong with me. I should be able to cope better. So I need to get better at certain things. And I'd have a really long get better at list. And then there's something wrong with the system or the people just above me who are in charge. They're faulty in some way. And then I would judge myself. I'd swing between judging myself and then judging the people who were coping really well, thinking, well, maybe they're just not doing as good a job. Maybe they don't care as much or something. And then I'd swing between admiring those people. How do they do it? And then I'd start asking people, how do you do it? What's your tips? In fact, in the in my first year of teaching, I did go and ask a lot of people, what's what are your tips? How do you, you know, do this job well and have a life? Um, I can't remember any of them. But anyway, it didn't work for me. Now, part of that is just who I am and that I'm I think I'm very demanding of life. I want a lot. And I'm OK with that. And I've told this story many times that I'm really grateful for all of the pain and struggle and burnout and eventually losing my career 
very inelegantly. I'm really grateful for all of that now because I'm not designed to be inside a, a big system. I'm I'm just not. I'm designed to be an entrepreneur. So I'm really, really grateful and happy for all of that now. But noticing what I was what I tried is really important in me being able to help the people that I work with. So noticing wherever you are blaming that's really interesting because if you're blaming a system that means you don't have any control you have no power and a lot of people just go well the system's not very good so therefore I'm just gonna struggle within it and do the least worst job I can do and get on with my life so that's one reaction a lot of people just think well you know I can't do some and then people like me go I'm going to change the system and work really hard and temporarily manage to do some good and then probably leave no legacy at all because it's just how systems are. I don't know. Um, so just noticing where your blame goes is really important because wherever you're blaming the pressure, that's where you're giving power. So if you're blaming yourself and you're beating yourself up, you're disempowering yourself because you're saying that you're not good enough that there's something about you that that needs to be better and that's a horrible place to be because actually it doesn't matter what you do <laughs> you're always going to think you need to be better if you fundamentally think there's something wrong with you i pretty much guarantee you it doesn't matter how much self-improvement you do you're always going to think there's always more to do that that's where this lo lovely Zen premise comes from, although I believe this switches that around, that you are both perfect and a work in progress. So the work in progress in, in the Zen tradition is to let go of the stuff that doesn't serve us anymore. Those 40 habits and beliefs. And the, the fundamental one is the belief that there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with you. Whereas in the self-improvement industry there's this constant need to get better to have higher performance and get fitter and stronger and you know meditate for high performance and and all this stuff and while some of that can be helpful if it's coming from the idea that there's something wrong with you if you're judging yourself as lacking in some fundamental way then it's not ever going to matter what you do you can you know you can get ripped abs and super fit and a super meditator but there's always going to be a fundamental flaw and there's always going to be more work to do because there is more work to do there's always we can always be better in some way and for those of us who are deeply committed to personal growth there's always going to be more growth but if you see it as an expansion as like a exciting treasure hunt you know Oh, what would delight me next? In which direction do I want to learn and grow now? As opposed to, well, there's something wrong with me that needs to be fixed. And then you put your problem solving mind into gear. It's, it seems subtle, but it's fundamentally different. When you come to the understanding that there's nothing wrong with you, that you are perfect just as you are, but that there's some stuff getting in your way, like, you know, perspectives that are limited or limiting in some way. And that could be expanded in some way. Oh, how can I look at this differently? And then when you bring in curiosity and kindness and playfulness, then you can start to see things in a different way and, and life opens up 
Whereas if you get, I believe if you, for me anyway, and for the people I work with, if we get stuck on the treadmill of, I need to be better, I need to be better. If only I can solve this problem about myself, then everything will be okay. Doesn't work very well. It's a dangerous, dangerous trap. So if you're feeling under masses of pressure and it keeps coming up, it's like, I have to, I can't do that at the moment, even though I long to do it because I've just got to get this done. And that's becoming pretty much permanent, that temporary postponement of life, then this is what I would do. I would pause. I would take stock and I would notice that pressure. I would notice how much you're postponing. And then I would notice the judgment that comes along with the fact that you are postponing. So notice the postponement, notice the pressure, notice the thoughts and beliefs and judgment that you're lumping on top of that about systems, other people and yourself and just notice and then drop the judgment. And that's it. And you might think that's small, but it's huge because there's fundamentally nothing wrong with you. But you're feeling under pressure and then you're putting more pressure on yourself. And I would argue that all of the pressure is coming from you. That doesn't mean we don't want to change systems. That doesn't mean that people couldn't be better managers. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is the easiest and fastest, the most effective way to create the change you want, which is to lift the pressure and to stop postponing your life, is to pause and notice the pressure. Notice the postponing of your life. Notice the judgments you have around that. Drop the judgment. Just notice. Notice exactly where you are right in this moment with postponing your life and the pressure you feel. Just notice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Overwhelm is Optional podcast. If it sounds like your kind of thing, then I invite you to go on over to heidimark.co.uk forward slash the one minute mark and get hold of my free audio so that you can get started on your journey out of overwhelm to creating a life that works for you instead of just working really damn hard trying to find a way to squish yourself in a life that isn't really working for you. So that's Heidi Mark, Heidi Mark with an E on the end, .co.uk forward slash the one minute mark. Thank you for listening. And anytime you feel like subscribing, sharing, liking, commenting, it's so, so helpful. It finds other people find this podcast. Thank you so much for being here.